Thank you for joining us at MindSpeak, the show that delves into global issues with a local perspective. This is a voice, not an echo. If you can't speak your mind, you can't be human. Hi, folks. Welcome back to MindSpeak. This is your host, poet and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 241, Is Sleep Living? Now, this is one of those episodes I've been wanting to do for a while. I actually mentioned it a few other episodes ago that I was going to do, but sometimes with these shows, things it takes a while to percolate, to put together in terms of, of my mind, to make sure I really feel like I have a you know, a solid grasp of it, because not to say that it, it's gone out so far that I, you know, I need to rein it in or anything, it's just that other than a basic outline, I don't often work for many notes, a lot of this is just the things that I've, re- I've rehearsed in terms of uh, the things I believe and the things I want to talk about, and then I just talk about them, I don't actually work from a script ever, so let's talk about this. Because I've, I've thought about this for years and years and years. And you probably have too. Is sleep living? Now, keep in mind, there is an enormous difference between life and living. Alright? You can have a person on all kinds of life support, medical, technological systems. You know, their brain, their heart and all that. And they can be alive but they're not exactly living because living is about socialization and, and, and communication and, and even in, in a certain extent a, a mobility well you don't really have that when you're when you're sleeping you're alive there's life but are you actually living let's talk about a little of some of the medical things and we'll go along from there, okay? Normally I divide these shows up into various little chapters or, or sections, but I'm not doing that in this case because so many things are intertwined and we're gonna have to go back and forth on it. It's better just to let it let it be more fluid for a change. Alright? Now one of the, uh, and I'm sorry because I, I, I don't mean to be controversial, but I'm one of those people that I really believe that if there's any way we could stop ourselves from sleeping, I, I would be one of the people to do it. Because there's so much more time in the day of things I would like to do. You can call me a workaholic all you want, I don't care. But to tell you the truth, if you think about it, just think about the math. Okay? At least one third, and some people sleep a little less, so it could be one quarter. But anyway, from one quarter to one third of our entire lives is sleeping. How the hell does that sound productive or useful? You know? How do I live, let's say, to be 66 and, you know, like 20-something years of my life is sleeping? Does that mean I really only had 40 years of, of actual living? I had 66 years of life but only like 40-something years of living? Because to me, that's how the math looks. And and I and I think that's kind of depressing in a way, and, and certainly uh, in a weird way, tragic. So yeah, if there was any way I could do something where I can need less sleep and still operate and do things I want to do, I would do it in a heartbeat. 
I know when I was younger I did it like naturally, but a lot a lot harder now. Now, obviously there are some biological slash biochemical things and biomechanical things that are necessary for sleep. One of the things that the scientists tell us is that sleep is necessary for our brain. That in some kind of weird irony, our brain is actually less active when we're awake because it is attempting to learn things. It's attempting to try to see and discover and all of that. And that doesn't make it as active because it's almost like under, under uh, I guess you could say, uh, the duress of being active in, in, a, in a live world. And then when we sleep, it's when the brain really becomes active because it's working to um, repair all the various fluid pockets in our brain that, that need repairing from, from being active during the daytime. Uh, apparently, it needs to um, process a lot of the things that it it's learned and it needs the time to do that and that sleep allows it to do that. And of course... There are brain cells that need to be repaired on a regular basis. And this is what sleep is supposed to be doing. I know. Is there another way we could figure out how that can get done? It would be nice if that could get done with an injection or a pill or something that just makes all that stuff happen. Maybe part of our day we can, you know, devote for that. Where we just take and take a nap or relax on a chair for a little while, or have a drink or something, drop something, and let our brain do all that so we don't have to actually sleep. Imagine what more we can really do. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about dreams on this show, but it's not going to be the traditional dreams that we've had on other shows where we're talking about, you know, feel like you're flying off a cliff or, you know, um, some form of a premonition of something in the future or maybe something that you've now discovered about yourself or your family from the past that you got out of a dream or, you know, that kind of thing. Or basically, you know, Taco Tuesday gone wrong. <laughs> and, you know, you're in the middle of uh, you know, sleeping and you got that whole stomach going on and now you have some Frankenstein creature running after you at, uh, you know, the speed of Jesse Owens. <laughs> That's never a good thing. When Taco Tuesday goes wrong, you're definitely in trouble. Now we have what they call REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement. That's where our eyes are taking advantage of the various dreams and, and, and visual activity that's coming out of our brain. Sometimes we remember what goes on in these occurrences, and sometimes we don't. But I was struck by something I had read that it really took me back. And again, it goes to the question is, is sleep living? You have to, you do have to wonder. Check this out. And I really think that it's incredibly fascinating. Our temperature and body is paralyzed as we dream. Think about that. We're doing all of this work during the day. You know, thinking, moving, talking, 
all different parts of our body, whether we were sitting in a chair or moving across a building or later on we were out there exercising, you know, for our own good uh, benefit or running a couple miles and, you know, all of that. And then we sleep and now we're paralyzed. The very thing we cannot stand to deal with during the daytime, paralysis, is, is actually happens when we sleep. Does paralysis sound like living to you? It, it really doesn't. It may be life because this is something the body requires, but to me it's not living. There's a number of cultures throughout the world, and it gave me thought when I read about this, that believe that sleeping, I know the Mexican culture believes this as well, is, is like a, a temporary form of death. That That's the reason why we have, you know, on occasion, a premonition, or a strange dream, or a weird vision, or like the American Indians say, the vision quest, because we're now intersecting when we're sleeping into death. So therefore we can have more of a spiritual communication, a link that we wouldn't have before. Because when we're up and we're uh, living, we're not really attuned to the spiritual anymore. We're really not. We're really just going about our, our, our daily lives and, and dealing with people and everything. We're more physical and therefore we're in the more physical world. Therefore we have all of these distractions, whether they're noise or sight or sound or whatever. But not when we're sleeping. It's the perfect time for us to reconnect with the dead. That's what a lot of cultures believe. And you have to wonder about that. Because if you go along with my theory that sleep is not exactly living, then maybe in a temporary way sleep is kind of like dying. Where we can reconnect. Where some of that stuff might be coming from the, the world of the dead. It is, it is a curious thought and, and, and a hell of an interesting theory. And it, it makes you wonder. It really makes you wonder that maybe sleep is more than what science is telling us. Because you know how science is. It, it, it only grasps for what it, it sees. It only grasps for what it touches and, and tries to understand that. You know? I know for people who don't believe in the spiritual world, science is all you have, and that's fine. I'm not going to make fun of you. But to me, it's it, it's quite limited because in the end, science likes to say, well, the spiritual is really only the things that science doesn't understand yet. What happens if there are things out there in our experience, whether it be sleeping or not, that we might never understand? But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not science because we don't understand it. It could just simply be another another dimension in, in, in who we are as people and what what could be out there in the in the in the great cosmos. And who says that science can't explore the supernatural, the paranormal? I know it tries to do it right now to this day with you know various electronic equipment and infrared and videotape and all kinds of sensitivity, uh, microphones, etc. to try to capture things that are happening that normally we wouldn't be able to capture. And I'm glad that it's, it's owned to try to do something like that because 
you know, in the end, you're going to have people that they're incapable of believing unless they see something. We got a lot of people out there that, you know, they don't have faith in beyond whatever they can touch, feel, or taste. I, I, I say that sort of thing limits people, but, you know, I understand too that when you don't have faith, it is a version of a security, you know? I don't have questions. Well, rather, I don't have answers for these questions. I only know about what I can see, test, and taste, and everything like that. So there is a certain security to it. And I got that. But what security do we have when we sleep? When we're finding out that we're getting some weird dreams from all over the place? From our brain reprocessing, and our brain restoring, and our brain repairing? Even re-imaging? We're finding out our body is paralyzed. We're seeing and hearing things that, that are not normally the case. Do, do our actual muscles really need that kind of rest? I honestly don't think that sleep has anything to do with muscles, whether they're arms or legs, whatever. I don't really think it makes that much of a difference. Most of us are not doing the kind of physical work that would even possibly be necessary for that anyway if you think about it you know how many people you know are digging ditches or building bridges <laughs> you know over 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 waterways or you know climbing mountains every other afternoon i mean not so many people are doing things that physical that they need that kind of sleep so sleep definitely does seem to be more brain necessity and, and maybe even a, a, a certain type of spirituality that could be there. Maybe there really is a connection that happens. And sleep is the only way we could do it. I mean, if you think about it. Think about how many fairy tales. And even how many stories we've read in the Bible. Where, you know, sleep was necessary in order for a message to be communicated. Or for someone to really understand or see something. I know Joseph had all these different dreams. And he was able to help save Egypt when he listened to him. And there's been plenty of cases and many different uh, fairy tales and stories where the, dream, the, the dreaming came from the sleeping. And the sleeping seemed to be necessary to make that connection. And I'm not really sure why people can't be as connected when they're awake. When they're in what I call the living state, then when they're in more of the dying state. Maybe there's something that, in terms of, of, of walls for us, or defenses that simply is lowered, that allows us to see and, and hear and communicate better when we're sleeping. But I don't think the whole story about sleep really has been told out there. And I'm not claiming on this show that I have all of the details to what sleep could be. I got some, I got some theories, and I've been sharing them with you. I'm not saying I know them all, because I really don't. There could be even more to what I'm saying. And I think there might be. I really think that there'd be some, there could be something a whole lot more to sleep than just, I feel tired, and I yawn twice, and drink a half a glass of milk, and then I, you know, hit the bed. I've never been the greatest sleeper anyway. I got some nights that, you know, it take me hours to go to sleep. I don't even feel like I have anything pressing on my mind. 
just have to read and do other things until I finally get tired enough. And there's other times I can lay down and that's it, I'm gone until in the morning. Not even waking up once. Literally, I, I feel like I was in that same position I laid down when I when I started. Which for me is something else because I'm definitely somebody that's a bit of a tosser and turner. But there has to be more to sleep than just sleep. It can't just be some restful stage. We have seen too many stories, too many articles, too many theories. We've had all kinds of strange occurrences ourselves. I'm sure we can. And we've all had our own strange history with sleep. Everybody has a very individualistical one. You know, I know some people, and I'm included in those people. When I was younger, especially when I was in the military, I mean... I had I literally had days and nights where I've had maybe two, three hours of sleep. Didn't even affect me. Didn't even care. I just felt I was getting so much done. And I was. You know? Where I'm older now and two, three sleep, two, three hours sleep, I have to be sick or something. And that's just not good because it, it's hard to get motivated. And hard to be focused and, and, you know, and hard to do a lot of things without enough rest. Does that mean my brain is getting less elastic, like they say in the scientific terms? That's what they say. Another thing that sleep does is it helps prepare the brain from being too too spongy and, and flexible, and you know, because it's out there busy trying to learn things, and now it has to, you know, regroup <laughs> and regather, you know. And I'm sure there's some physical truth to all of this and some scientific validity, so I don't mean to make fun of any of that. I just don't think it's really just that, and that's it. Definitely think there's a lot more to sleep. And think about it, too. Sleep is not perfect. It's not some absolute formula. I get three hours and I'm good. I get seven hours, I'm good. I get this, I'm good. No. You get plenty of times where you can get, you know, six, seven hours. Which for me, if I get six hours, that's pretty surprising. I normally don't do more than five. But, uh, you know, you get six or seven or something, you know, let's say, and you don't feel refreshed. You don't think that you're rejuvenated. Somehow you've gotten... More energy in your batteries and your brain is stronger than ever before. We've all had those times where it's like, and, and I mean, I mean, apart from just being ill, Ill in, in some fashion of flu or, you know, COVID or cold or something like that, you know, hay fever, whatever. I'm just talking about where you're not sick, but you, you had to sleep and it doesn't feel like it did much for you. I don't know. Do, do, we dreams that we don't remember, do they keep us awake to where we don't feel refreshed then? Did we get through up three, four times, not remember to go to the bathroom or, you know, grab some orange juice or, you know, see why the cat's meowing outside the window in the living room? You hear a creak in the, in the roof? It's just a squirrel up at midnight? 
I don't know why it's up. You'd think it'd be back in its little cave watching Animal Planet on Squirrel Cable, but it's not. It's up in the roof. Getting you up, too. Thanks, Mr. Squirrel. Appreciate that. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Or it could also be possible that sleep doesn't always do all the things that they claim it does. Which means it's not a perfect formula. It's not some some magical uh, cure to things. And like everything else that we have in, in our mind, in our body, even in our heart, it's it's imperfect and inconsistent. And at times, uh, a bigger mystery than most times. I know that to me, it's always been like, what the hell? I don't feel like refreshed at all. I don't feel anything other than Maybe I should lay down more. And guess what? When you do that, it doesn't do any better. You can get up an hour later and you're like, I feel this is crappy as before. Sometimes it doesn't do anything for you at all. A lot of the time it go outside and take a walk and get some air. Sometimes air is good. <laughs> but you have to wonder what's occurred. Has something spiritually connected during the sleep caused you to stay up? Which means that your brain didn't really get enough of the repair time or the restore time or maybe the memory reprocessing time, like scientists say. And therefore, you feel tired then? Because, uh, I mean, you think about it, you're going to be lagging for a while during the day. It's sometimes nice to have coffee in the morning just because, you know, caffeine is a stimulant that it can help overcome a little bit of that anyway. But, um, it definitely makes me wonder. I wish we had an answer. I know now, um, Apple Watch and uh, Fitbit and a few other devices you can put on your wrist now can actually help measure the kind of sleep you've had. So you can get an idea. But, you know, it's nice to have that kind of knowledge. Because that's one of the things we're in this 21st century now, where we have so much access, you know, to too much knowledge. But what the hell does the knowledge have to do with anything in the end? Because what we need more in the world is wisdom. Wisdom is about how to use the knowledge. Otherwise, knowledge is, is you know all these wonderful things, but you're still a dummy because you don't know what the hell to do with it. That's always been my problem with that kind of information is, oh, okay. It said I didn't really have the best sleep last night. Okay, wonderful. Well, what the hell do I do to fix that? Is there a way to fix that? You know, it takes a while to reset yourself, so to speak, to even get the kind of sleep they say you should have and the kind of rhythms you have. Especially when you're a writer or you're an artist. Hell, I don't work on some damn schedule, you know? Yes, I must turn in by 11.15 after I brush my teeth. What the hell? What happens if I got something going on? What happens if I got some good thoughts going on? Some writing stuff happened. Some stuff I need to put down. I'm supposed to just drop all that because I got to get back to this sleep rhythm? I know that sleep has an importance in our lives. And I'm not in, I'm not in denial of that, nor am I mocking that. But it's not the same thing as I'm supposed to obey it. Because I'm not. To me, in many ways, sleep has always been a bit of a, an adversary. How many times have we fell asleep when we didn't want to go to sleep? 
I want to stay up, but poof, I went, out, went right out. How many times has sleep has just taken, taken us from our thought, taken us from a dream, or taken us from just something that was interesting and creative? Oh, when I don't want to sound too blue, but you know, oftentimes you have a, you might have a wonderful dream about maybe some romantic encounter in the past, and next thing you know, sleep takes you from that too. It's like, oh my god, what the heck? Oh, sleep. To me, it doesn't always seem to be some kind of a friend. It always seems like it's a taker of something rather than a giver of something. And I'm sure it does give something to your brain, some rest of story powers and all of that. And, you know, you feel a little bit more refreshed and blah, blah, blah. I've Just like anyone else, I've had some sleeps where it's like, damn, I needed that and that was good. I've had a lot of those, but, you know, I get them now and then and... Funny enough, I, I, I sleep the best after I had a couple of good drinks or, or if I've been ill. I always seem to sleep the best. Although every so often you can hit a nice NyQuil and that'll make you good sleep. But, you know, there's alcohol in it too. <laughs> but for the most part, like most writers, most artists, I, I never seem to be believing that sleep is supposed to be doing something totally wonderful for me. I don't, I don't really see it. Having those kind of magical powers. It would be nice if I believed in that, but I don't. I always felt like because of sleep, I'm missing things. Because of sleep, there's more things I could do. Maybe there's even more things I could write. What about the times when you can have more times with your family and friends? Not to mention it takes a good size portion mathematically of a life away from you you know i don't i don't like to sound to be the ungrateful pain in the ass complaining type but i'm the kind of guy that would meet god and he's like hey i gave you 75 years what do you think about that i'm like really i got like really 50 there god and the other 25 went to sleep so uh, you want to fix your math please yeah i'd probably get sent to hell just for just for saying that you know but hey that would be me I'm not one to, you know, let God away, get away with uh, being imperfect. If I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, imperfect over here. But it's not a philosophical argument to say that to you because it's the truth. One third to one quarter of lives, it's in sleep mode. I mean, other than a few pieces, for the most part that have been... Um, derived from a dream you know and you know sleep having some restorative abilities when you've been ill i never really had much for it i swear if, if i had a shelf philosophically on my wall sleep would be in the book at the top right corner of it of shelf number six that i never freaking read and, and don't want to read <laughs> But I can't get rid of it because someone gave it to me and I don't want to look like I'm disrespectful. <laughs> that's that's about how I feel about sleep. You know? I, I don't call it an enemy because it's not. But I, I don't have the... I don't have the will. Maybe I don't have the courage. But I certainly don't have the strength to call it a friend. Because I just don't see it that way. 
you take a quarter to one third of my life away from me. You know, I don't know why I'm supposed to be having a drink with you and, and holding your hands down the, down the road. Uh, no. Get the hell away from me, pretty much. Is what I say. But we hear so much. Even in song, you know. I hear the secrets that you keep when you're drumming in your sleep. You know, they, they, you, you can just hear all the different songs with that. The people... They have poems, they have thoughts, they have ditties, they have all kinds of different proverbs. Like there's something super interesting about it. Well, we don't know, there could be some super interesting things about it, but we don't ever seem to get all of that from that. I'm telling you, I could probably count on both hands. I, just, I won't say one hand, I say both hands. Uh, how many times I've actually remembered in, in whole a dream I've had since I was a child to now I'm 57. You just don't get to have too many of those. Why is that? Why can't we remember a lot of these dreams? And what happens when people, they go into like an artificial sleep called hypnosis where a person can put you under... And now they learn things that are in your brain that might have been there for many, many years. Are those things coming out when you're not in hypnosis? Is sleep some kind of a self-induced temporary hypnosis where those things can come out? Where maybe you learn things about yourself, about your past, about your family, about the world around you, about the galaxy? You know, about, you know, the big questions of aliens that we all have? The top three, do aliens pick their noses? Why don't aliens have ankles? And, hey alien, do you have the cure for cancer? Come on, let me know. Those are some of the questions we have about aliens. We probably talk about that in our sleep. And, I've heard uh, an alien enthusiast, that's what they call it. Which probably sounds a lot more, you know, polite than alien fan or something. But uh, I've heard one say, uh, maybe aliens are talking to us when we are sleeping. Maybe that's how they communicate with us. Because that's less scary than if we were, they were trying to land on our lawn. Yeah, it probably would be a problem. You know? Do they wear clothes? You know? I don't want to sound like a weirdo here, but if they don't wear clothes, I don't want you landing on my planet and I'm looking at your alien penis. I mean, what the hell is that supposed to do for me? You know? I don't want to look at that. Or your alien butt either. I, I don't really need to see that. Can you put some damn trunks on or something, please? Alright, then we can talk about, you know, space engines. Are these things coming into our dreams through sleep? Is sleep some sort of weird dimensional door to somewhere else? Whether it's into the inner space of the human mind or the outer space of where the aliens are out... Or maybe that's where God is. There's a lot of religions that believe that, you know, sleep is a good way for us to have a, a heavenly communion. Or a spiritual revelation. Or maybe even like a God-like prayer type of communication. Someone asked this a while ago, and I come to think it's an interesting and valid question. 
is the reason why people don't really hear the calling of God or even God's voice. And I mean this in a sincere, serious way. I don't mean the person that hears this and they get a gun and shoot everybody. I don't mean that, because that's stupid. And if they're hearing any voice, it's definitely not God's voice. Probably the dude downstairs, you know? But um, is it? we don't hear that as much anymore now because we've got so much going on in our technological lives with traffic and noise and cars and planes and boats and digital this and, you know? Does it block all that? Does it abstract all that? Does it obstruct all of that? And do we need the quiet time of sleep, of rest, of just laying down for a moment for a nap? How many people here, raise your hand because I know I'm raising my hand, okay, that's had maybe, I don't know, maybe a five minute, like ten minute nap. I'm one of those people that if I can get a nap every so often, I swear to God, I feel like I could stay up like to... You know, past midnight without even feeling tired. It just seems like a re-engineering. But you have the weirdest, strangest, craziest, dementedest dream. I know that's not even a word, dementedest, but I'm, I'm liking it for the show. Dementedest dreams ever. You're like, what in the hell was that? I'm serious. I'm like, I had a dream one time that an alien was talking to me in French. Now, I don't want to be the bigot type of person because I'm not but I had to ask the question because hey I'm an American okay um, you travel five zillion miles to get here and then you got to talk to me in a language I don't even understand nothing wrong with French I just don't exactly get everything you're saying you, you don't think you maybe could have picked up a little English along the way maybe a couple of uh, you know broadcasts that went out there in the space I'm sorry, but I, if you were to add up all the languages of broadcast that went into space from our TV and radio, it's going to be mostly English, okay? So, I don't know what the hell that dream was supposed to tell me. Hmm? Make me more frustrated that I finally meet an alien and I don't know what the hell he's saying. And if I could have a, a sequel to that, I'd probably meet some... Some French girl says, uh, the, the hell with you, American. I'm not telling you anything. Why don't you just go learn French? Like, we all have to do, you big chummy. That'd be my uh, luck on that one. But we've all had that. Whether that's some weird jumble of, um, you know, um, brain neurons uh, flashing off here and there in a weird fashion that... Because obviously a nap is almost like a premature sleep. It's almost like you're not really ready for whatever the hell can come out of it. But there's always something weird that does come out of it, it seems like. And for some reason you seem to remember a little bit of it. I'm like, oh man. Believe me, the whole French speaking alien, I'd rather forget that, okay? It's not helping me. For all I know, the alien was telling me something important. What the hell am I going to do with that now? Not much. Other than, um, you might as well just go back home to your planet because this isn't working out uh, for either one of us, okay? <laughs> but think about it. Is sleep living? We know the difference between life and living because we've talked about that already. You could be living because you're communicating and you're running around and you're doing things and you're having time being spent on things you like to do you know what I mean reading a book or taking your girlfriend out for a movie or 
getting a run in or having a nice cup of coffee or, or even on just a nice drink. And you could just be life where you're alive, but you're not living because you're in some coma. Some machine is helping you breathe. Some electrodes to your brain, letting people know that, you know, your brain's almost flat. Not good. But you're still alive, you see. I go back to the first question I said on the beginning of the show. I mean, I just don't see sleep as living. I really think that it's closer to the dying. The things we talked about before, the paralysis. The repair and regeneration. The restoration. All those words really are about being immobile. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're immobile, I don't care if it's temporary or not, in many ways you're not living. You're alive, but you're not really living. And this is not to say anybody here who's, you know, who temporary otherwise is in a wheelchair is not living. There's plenty of things you can do. But, again, those folks that have problems, when they first go into a wheelchair, they themselves don't even feel like they're living because they're yet to feel out of just being alive and now being active again because we associate living with being active awake and doing things and as you know somebody's in a wheelchair temporary or not there's still plenty of things they can do that we have figured out that can be done that you can still have a life and be living so don't don't mix those up at all because that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about the philosophical definition of being alive versus living. I say if one quarter to one third of our life is thrown away somewhere and we're not living it, what the hell are we doing with it? We know scientifically what's happened, but I wish we can get more out of it. Whether that means remembering more of our dreams or doing something more with our mind or our body or our senses or something. To be then just laying the hell down on some mattress, paralyzed, being, I don't know, a receptive to what? God's messages or the cosmic wisdom or alien knowledge or, you know, whether someone takes a pee in the pyramids 3,000 years ago or not, I don't know. But, I say we're not living when we're sleeping unless more is going to go on. If, I wish we can get more out of it. I wish we can have a little bit more exploration of what more can we get out of sleep. Because then it would feel like a, a worthwhile pastime. Then it would feel like it's not such a waste. Then it's going to feel like I wouldn't be having the complaint to God. I gave you 75 years. Yeah, really, okay. Thank you, because you took 25 of them away. So, I don't want to sound ungrateful here, but um, I'm not exactly having a party over this either. Okay? Can you give me back my other 25 years? That would be nice. But no. We can't get them back. But it would be nice if we can make something better out of them. Something more exciting out of them. Something more... Worthwhile out of them. That's what I like to see out of sleep, if that's even possible. Maybe we can explore that more. 
If not in science, maybe on another show. All right, folks, that's Mark Anthony Rossi. Mind Speak is Sleep Living, episode 241. Until next time, folks, I hope that you enjoyed that. Hope it's given you some real thinking to do, some more thoughts on sleep and what we can gather and really what, what what's happening over there in, in it. Uh, next show we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be doing our thoughts on Battlestar Galactica, the old and the new one. I even hear again they want to do another reboot of it. Believe me, it was enough just trying to get my mind over the reboot of it when they did that. And that took a little while because you know when you see Starbuck is not a gambling dude with a cigar, but instead it's a chick. I'm glad she's from Jersey. She was kind of cute, you know. But you know, a chick and She's sleeping with half the galaxy. I mean, it's definitely a different uh, experience. But they, they really did raise a lot of philosophical questions in there. They did a really good job on the reboot. I don't know what the hell they plan on doing on this other reboot. I don't even know why we need it. But I'm going to give it a try. All right? That'll be our next show coming up, folks. It'll be interesting, different. I'm hoping you're going to enjoy it. Until next time, folks, God bless. Have a good one.